Welcome to Outlander with Friends podcast, where we talk about our favorite Outlander episodes, favorite whiskeys, and all the other bits that nobody wants to talk about. This podcast is not for the faint of heart, so if you've read about it or watched it, we're going to talk about it. Clutch your pearls and pour a dram. It's time for Outlander with Friends. I just want to say I'm so excited about season two. This is probably one of my favorite seasons, so you'll have to help me contain my excitement because I will go off the rails really quick on this season. I couldn't even find an episode yet, so I want to go last. If You may. It's a fun season. It really is. I love this episode today. There's so much in it. I've got two pages of notes. Yeah, well, all these characters are introduced in this episode. You just like get bombarded with all these characters. I know. And I think that's why I'm so excited because last season was like the first date. You're just trying to get to know one another, find out if there's book and show commonalities. But then like season two is like the late night conversations that last into the morning and everything's in living color and vivid and you're all in love. I love this season. When I say I love this season, like the showrunners, the set designers, the costume designers, they pop their knuckles and flex their fingers on this season because I'm telling you, <laughs> it's, it. it's amazing. I love it. But first, Terry, what are you drinking? Tonight, I'm drinking a whiskey called Town. Tell. Well, it's aged in port wine barrels, but it does not come from France. Unfortunately, I was not able to quite cross that distance, but it comes from the Russian River Valley of California, which is a wine region. Okay. Awesome. What does it taste like? It's 90 proof. Tastes super sweet. You know, that's my sweet spot. I have a sweet tooth and... The that's perfect. The bottle notes talk about how the Northern California climate allows for a slow and even extraction of flavor. There is a shitload of cherry and baking spice and caramel on this. And frankly, it drinks a lot hotter than 90 proof, which is not a problem for me. I just wish it was a little cooler outside because it's definitely got that hug that goes down your chest and lingers for a little bit. The Kentucky hug. Yes. Yeah. Does the mash bill have a lot of rye in it or a higher? Maybe that's why you're getting such a hot. Mash bill isn't actually on the bottle. Oh. I can look it up though. What are you having, Megan? I'm drinking Doc Swinson's. Mm. It's a triple cask. It's finished in sherry and cognac casks. 95.8 proof. It drinks about that. It's a very easy drinker. Lots of dark chocolate, caramel. Mm. Yeah. No, I can do really that. good. So this is the second bottle that I've Help gone me through. In. I find that it's about between $65 and $80. Not horrible, but not. Super affordable, but it's not your everyday drinker. (laughs) It's delicious. What are you drinking? So I am having the Bardstown Chateau Labad. Ivy did it up right. This is what I meant to go for. Yeah, I'm telling you. So I have been trying to finish my Bardstown collection and I got introduced to it at a charity gala. Well, actually, no, I take that back before I went to this charity gala thing that the cask chasers threw a couple years ago. I think it was like 
two years ago, they did like a virtual wine tasting and they had a bunch of us on and they had Bardstown Fusion Series. And I think I was drinking number four. And I'm like, man, I really, really like this stuff. So I've got on this whole like kick where I wanted to finish my collection. And I will tell you, this particular bottle is pretty expensive. It runs about 160 bucks to 200, depending on where you get it. Ooh. So let me tell you about it. Mm, on the nose, it's like toasted oak and like baking spices. Mm-hmm. Mm, like a nutmeg. And then. Hey, don't call Meg a nut. Some of the bottle says. A nut. Huh? <laughs> don't Nothing. call Meg a nut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's 107 proof. That's perfect. Yeah. And I will tell you, like, it, it tastes like you're eating something peachy. It almost tastes like that second batch of Sassanac, the creaminess and the peachy sweet taste. Count me in. But I think that it's kind of spicy. I'm not going to lie. So I think that maybe the sweetness kind of cuts the spice. The spice wants to take over, but because it's sweet, you you kind of like ignore it. I think that if you are a fan of rye whiskeys, then this is probably something for you because it kind of has like that spicy kick that a rye would. But mm-hmm. I'm not. So I think that the sweetness will keep me drinking, but the price point will likely make this the only bottle that I buy because <laughs> it's pretty expensive. <laughs> like, I don't want to spend 160 bucks on it again, but it's good. Are you excited about them having their own juice now with the Origins? Yes. Yes. And I'm did you know the you. price point? No. What is it? $45. Are you serious? What? Yes. Yes. Look out, Bardstown, I'm moving in. I know. (laughs) My husband has a buddy who lives not far from Bardstown and not far from Lexington, and I think I'm going to send him on a field trip pretty soon. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. Oh, my goodness. I think that when we go up for the ball, I'm going to... I'm not even flying. I'm just going to drive so I can pack as much bourbon back with me as I can. Cause I'm making my husband drive from Arizona to Kentucky so that we can pack the Jeep with a whole shitload of Kentucky bourbon. Yeah. Hey, that's a great field trip. I'm going to tell you. I'm excited. That's amazing. Yay. We're all drinking lots of different whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a wide variety, if you will. Definitely a wide variety. I'm super excited. So this episode... All right, so welcome to season two. I'm going to tell you, I again, I love this season. I know this is your episode, Meg, but You're good. before we even jump into episode two, we just have to touch on the fact that I watched episode one the first time that I found Outlander, and I thought, what in God's name happened? Have I skipped half a season? I know. This is so insane. This is the wrong timeline. Why is she back in quote unquote modern times, but the transition back to Claire being with Jamie in France, the handhold and the the camera swing. Oh my God. One of the best shots of the whole series. I think that we're in for a rare treat. If this is the first time you're seeing season two, I think season one, like again, it was just kind of like introducing you to the idea of this story. I don't know if I got completely invested in the characters quite yet. I mean, obviously Claire and Jamie and Frank, but like, I didn't really care about Murtaugh and all those guys. And I I didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't care about Jamie and Claire, but I was just like, well, let's just see what happens. But then like season two, 
is such a stimulating. It's like hold on to your shit, people. This season is wild. The first three episodes. I've watched the first three episodes. I'm not kidding you since last week, at least four times. The first three episodes are my favorite. If we could just do the first three, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you pause episode one of season two just to make sure you were watching the right one? Like what you were saying, Terry. Three or four times. <laughs> and it's crazy because we already know. And yet I did it anyway. Have I lost my mind? What is going on here? I didn't understand. Yeah. Like I really yeah. didn't understand. And I was like, did I fast forward? Didn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like, make this stop. <laughs> But I'm going to let you start, Meg, because this is your episode. And thank you for picking this episode. Yes. Merci beaucoup. I honestly, if we could, I'd do all Merci 14. Beaucoup. This is my favorite season. So did you just French us down? Y'all know why I picked this episode. Yeah, she Terry said merci beaucoup, and I said it too. Oh, all right. Petite merci. Croissant. <laughs> Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did you pick this episode? So we were talking and I said, which episode was that where she gets a Brazilian? <laughs> yes. <laughs> said, it's episode two. I said, that's the one I'm doing because that's what she got in that episode. And that's hilarious. You guys, our audience can't see this, but I am wearing a Madame Louise's Honeypot Salon and Waxing Services t-shirt. That's who's sponsoring this episode, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Established right. 1744, right? Correct. Yeah. I will tell you, the 1700s have established trends for like the 21st century. They got mm-hmm. the BBLs, they got the Brazilian wax, and there's some other things coming down the pipeline, like the nipple piercing. This is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't every trend come back every 20 years or something? Yeah. So this one came back every 200 years because they're <laughs> definitely still doing that. There. Yeah. So the opening... Harpsichord, the boat song. <laughs> Seriously, did did that not get you just ready for it? Definitely. I yes. love, so I know that Bear McCreary, is that how you say his name? McCreary. 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 Wrote the score for the intros, but the lady that sings the intros, I don't know who she is. I've never looked up who she was, but that woman can sing her ass off because when she flipped mm-hmm. the French, Bitch, I thought I understood French. I'm like, no, no, no. She switched languages. <laughs> do you want to know? Yes. <laughs> I'm writing this I do. down. I think her name is Raya Yarborough. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she's married to Bear McCreary. That really? is perfect. What they a deserve beautiful each other. duo. Yes. Yes. He's writing beautiful music for her beautiful voice. Two nights ago, they were at the Grammys together because Bear McCreary oh. was nominated for a Grammy for nominated. one of his, I think it was for the Lord of the Rings TV show. He scored that mm-hmm. too. Perfect. If you like the whole soundtrack to Outlander, make yourself a Spotify Bear McCreary station because you have no idea all the TV shows that he has scored. He's scored The Walking Dead. He's scored Lord of the Rings. Now he's scoring video games. That is outstanding. He's just so prolific and talented. It's amazing. Yeah, he gives me the tingles. Yeah, the opening scene. Did you guys get the clip that I texted you? The deleted scene? I just watched it. I wish that full scene had been the opening because it was so creepy and I know, but the thing is, like the shock would have been even here. 
Yeah, so I listened to his explanation as to why he didn't want, and you have to post the mm-hmm. link to this clip so people know what we're talking about. I will. But I see why he didn't want to make this the opening scene because there mm-hmm. really wasn't a way to transition from reality to a nightmare. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he's clearly dreaming because Claire would not be talking like that. And then also his hand is healed. So I can right. understand where he was coming from. But let's just talk about the fact how incredibly creepy that is. That whole first scene was just like, you're really getting it in. And then you look down and Black Jack Randall's like, no, don't stop. Get it, get it, boy. And you're like, what the fudge? Are you serious? And then the stabbing, like Carrie. Yeah, that was a little bit much. And Jamie just completely dripping, covered in blood. Oh, that was too much for me. I want to see the behind the scene. Kind of reminded me of like Culloden. I love Muddy Bloody Jamie. We all know this about yes, me. Yes, that is your but jam. But that, that, is- that was even a little bit too much. Too now, much. There is a funny blooper where the prop dirt that Sam slash Jamie is using to stab down toward the camera. There's not actually an actor there because of the placement of the camera. But he breaks the tip of the dirk and he stops and he's just covered in this blood that they've been squirting on him as it's supposed to be spurting yeah. blood from black. And he stops and he looks at the dirk and the whole tip of it is just hanging off at a weird angle. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> and he completely cracks I was up. wondering how they did that. Obviously, Black Jack Randall isn't, you know, he's not laying in bed with them. It's kind of like the camera angle. But I was just like, was somebody laying there with a water bottle just like squirting him with blood? I think so. It seemed a bit excessive. Like they just got a little out of control with it. And they were like, fuck it. He's going to keep acting. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like eyeballs dripping blood. It's a bit of a mess. I've really, I would actually like to know that. Yeah. How they got the blood on him, the fake blood. That's an interesting. Well, I'm sure somebody out there has that out to our uh, listening audience. Let us know. Yes. Let's go over what we thought about this episode. I'm ready for it. There's so much going on so i love it were you kind of thinking hold the phone when marta says let's kill the bonnie prince yes oh let's my god you just it. took my what if it's like what i have another one in the back you're supposed to be a jacobite <laughs> i know and so this is what i love about Murta. he has no idea what they're doing he just knows that it, it needs to be done if i can't get a friend like that i don't want it he has no questions asked if this is what we're trying to do, let's kill this bitch. And he was like, no, I don't want I don't want to be an assassin. He's like, that's all right. There's somebody out here that'll do it. Like, I will find him. <laughs> that's the kind of friend I need in my life. No questions asked. Let's get it done. Let's get the hell out of this city and go back to Scotland. Yes. Case solved. Except when he sees the titties. He sees the titties and he's done. Yes. He was, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just stay a little bit longer. <laughs> Murta is 100% the comic relief in the Paris episodes of this season. He is so amazing. Oh my God. I swear to you, but I, I swear I thought that though. Hey, Duncan Lacroix, if you want to be my best friend in real life, I'm okay with that because I feel like there's a little bit of you in Murta. Absolutely. And I would love to be your best friend. I mean, he's definitely what you would call a ride or die. I mean, he literally did it for Jamie. He was a ride or die. Yeah, he was. He actually died for him. So there's that. Yeah. In a roundabout way, of course. Well, like I said, we met so many new characters in this episode. Yes. I have them listed. Let's go. So Master Raymond. Yes. Madonna. Adorable. I love him so much. I know. Le Comte de... Wait, the Le Comte 
Saint-Germain. Le Comte Saint-Germain. I definitely started following him on Instagram tonight. Stanley Weber. Girl, I've been following <laughs> that man for about five years. Like you are a star. <laughs> he is so fine. Ooh. Man, that boy is fine. Lord mm-hmm. have mercy. You talk about mm-hmm. a silver fox. I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Him and that lieutenant can get it from season one. Oh, Jeremy Foster. Mm-hmm. Yes. These background characters are giving all of it. When I tell you I'm here for it, both of them, mm-hmm. I will take me a French and English muffin. Smothered <laughs> 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 with butter. <laughs> I love it. All right, next one. Bonnie Prince. Ugh. But... Don't get me started. First of all, I said total D bag. Can I ask a a question like for historical and maybe somebody can Google this. Was it just a shtick, this mark me thing? And he just kept mark. He kept saying it and they were just like, you know what? Leave it. Or is this a historical thing where this guy's known for saying that? I have no idea. Because it's so incredibly annoying. But since you brought that up, I think we all need to drink since that is the drinking game of season two. Every time he says Mark We're going to be drunk by the end of this episode. <laughs> Continue. When he's saying like, mark me and going off in the whorehouse on them saying, I'm questioning mm-hmm. your alliance with the Jacobite cause, all that stuff. And he shows all of his teeth and he looks like a complete brat. I wanted to punch him in the face. Oh, God, I hate him. <laughs> but he did say a sycophant. I- Is that what he said? He said, I'm surrounded by... He doesn't need sycophants. Yes. I'm going to use that word from now on. The way he says it. Once we figure out what it means. I looked it up. I looked it up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. It's exactly what how he used it. Just being surrounded by people that are just there to use him and gain notoriety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And be yes men. So then you got Mary Hawkins, the bloodline. Rosie Day. Yes. The reason for the bloodline. Little bitty. Yeah. Sweet little mouse that she is. She's a good actress. I mean, we'll see in a couple episodes. (laughs) Have you seen her in anything else that you would never in a million years Um, think that she could pull off little mousey? Wasn't she like a cop show or something? Um, I want to say I saw her in a cop show or a detective or something. IMDb. Maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. So then you got Duvernay. (laughs) Who's Duvernay? That's the... The financial counselor of France. That's the... Uh, Duvernay, the one who gets pushed in... The financial yeah. finance minister. The one who gets pushed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that push. He just like... <laughs> Girl, he just yeeted him across the... <laughs> yes, he He's yeeted like, him. <laughs> <laughs> There's no effort in this whatsoever. That was like the best scene. <laughs> then we got King Louis. I'll talk about that one later. So little side note, I was watching a TV show with my little six-year-old. I don't remember what it's called, but it's for kids. It's about famous people and they use children as the actors to play these famous people. And it's a historical thing. So they explain who these people are. Well, they talked about one of the French queens and they actually talked about how Versailles was open to the public 24-7 and they would literally watch them poop. What? Yes. Girl, so I had a whole entire thing about this, right? And I knew that you were going to pull some history out of it. But I had to look it up because I was like, there is no way that I could imagine somebody. 
<laughs> watching me use the bathroom, right? Say it, but, Ivy. It's bathroom. <laughs> all right, this man is over here taking a whole shit with a room full of people. So when they are doing their little sword play, and Murtaugh's like, let's leave. This place smells like piss or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, these people smell like piss. Let me tell you how I love Diana's preciseness and attention to detail. Because, of course, I researched this whole thing about the poop. It bothered me. But <laughs> I uncovered like a whole litany of unspoken rules mm -hmm. that these people had to follow. And when I went back and I looked at this episode, I was like, this woman is good. Because... If you notice when they first walk in, when Claire, yeah. I think it was at the party, it wasn't at Versailles quite yet, or maybe it was, I can't remember. When she wore the red dress, they were at Versailles, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're at Versailles. But this is one of the things I found out when I was looking up poop <laughs> on my work computer, which I now need to erase history. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a bottle of Miralax on your desk tomorrow. I know, right? So did you know that everybody in that party was standing up? there was no seats available for people to sit because unless you were a prince or a princess, you were not allowed to sit while the king was in residence. Like if he was anywhere near you, you weren't allowed to sit down unless you were a prince or a princess. So when I went back and I looked at the episode and I subsequently looked at the, I was like, damn, they really paid attention to detail because if you didn't really know that you'd be like, why is everybody just standing around? There's no seats available for anybody. That's interesting. Through that whole entire scene, except for this man sitting on a fucking toilet, shitting in front of people, which is really <laughs> gross. But also, speaking of Versailles, I used to love that show. I don't know if you ever watched it with Alex Vlahos, my yeah. other baby daddy, whom I love so much. Mm -hmm. They had spoke about how their court would move to all of these different palaces. There was like 62 palaces in the French aristocracy. The reason why they did is because of sanitary reasons, because they didn't have sanitary standards like they do now or later on in the 1800s. So it would get so bad that people would get sick. So they would move courts once the feces and the urine got so bad Ew. and they would leave the servants there to clean it out and muck out the castle and they would move to another location. Oh my God. Thank you, Meg, for choosing this episode and speaking of the poop. Because I went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I learned so many things. You literally went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I went Cause... down the poop chute. It's <laughs> supposed to be exit only. Did you ever read? And I'm going to bring this up, but we're not going to talk about it other than because I don't remember much of it. But Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. The book. Never read that. Yeah. Really? I will send you the cliff notes. Lots of the French Revolution. Yeah. So this was right before the French Revolution. I think wow. she mentions that in the first part of the episode. All right. I'm going to have to read that. But so, I mean, before see. we move on too far, are we going to talk about the dildos? <laughs> yes, but hold on. <laughs> okay. The last one, because I brought up Mary Hawkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alexander Randall. Dude. That oh, nice yeah, young man. I know. I didn't forget about him. I just didn't care. I'm sorry. I, it's fine. Everybody I talked to loved his casting. They're like, he looks so much mm. like Tobias. And I'm like, I do not see that at all. I don't see it either. I think that, dare I say it, they both have the same forehead. Mm. I looked. Okay. Mm. I looked side by side. And I'm like, they probably have the same dimensional forehead, which is weird. It's like looking at the back of somebody's knees, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Sorry, Terry. I can't let it go. I have no idea what you're talking about. I disavow that comment. <laughs> I reject it. 
But yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, I guess the same slender face and wide forehead might give them. But I think the only reason why I think Tobias has a wide forehead is because of Black Jack Randall and the way that he had to wear his wig. Uh, he had yeah. to push his hairline <laughs> back a little bit. Blech. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Step out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary when you visit Maison de Madame Elise. The most exclusive gentlemen's club in Paris, catering to gentlemen of noble birth and noble distinction, Maison Elise offers an elegant space to discuss business and politics. When your business is finished, we provide a variety of vulgar entertainments nightly. Our exquisitely mannered mademoiselle treat our customers like royalty. Maison Elise is not responsible for missing or lost personal items, nor possible bite marks you may sustain. Enter at your own risk. For a modest additional fee, we will swear you were never here. And now, back to the show. Really am excited about talking about the dildos now. All right. Tell us how excited you are about talking about the dildo. That scene eluded me, right? I had no idea that's what was being auctioned off. And I actually paused it right now in front of me to watch this scene again. Because I was like, is she holding a whole entire penis? Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. This is a dildo. I love the French. They are so uninhibited about sexuality. I don't know how we got stuck being raised by the English. <laughs> because we're very much prudes in America. Don't they go walking around the brothel and caressing the men on the shoulder and the cheek with those dildos yes. or something like yes. that? Am I imagining <laughs> I'm that? I'm literally watching it right now. <laughs> and then you have your boy, freaking... Bonnie Prince. Charles Stewart there. God, I don't Bleh. like him. But anyways, yeah, go ahead about the dildos. And also the labias. That's the honeypot part. We just talked about how unsanitary France was. Ooh. And then we go to dildos and whorehouses. <laughs> Great segue. And my mind just, I need to drink a lot now. <laughs> I wonder if modern day STDs started in France. Because it seems like they had a lot of dirty sex. I don't. Back then, from what I read, they were very filthy people. Well, syphilis. I think syphilis was a big one. Not to say like they're filthy because of being French, but just in general, that time period, people were just nasty. They didn't bathe. Yeah. Like that one queen, was her name? Not, I want to say Victoria. I can't remember, but she bathed like once a month. Yikes. I can't remember what her name was. I think King Louis the Eighth maybe have, was like the cleanest king because he bathed every other day or something like that. But it was like some sort of... I'm looking it up. I don't have any yeah, I can't remember, but I was on like, that one. Yeah, I can't remember, but I was like, I, like I said, I went down the rabbit hole, but also let's just be fair. Those things could have jumbled up in my head because I've been drinking. Was it Marie Antoinette? That sounds familiar, but they were like, yeah, we're not going to wash ourselves. Myrta's comment when they're practicing dueling in that public place is how the entire city smells like arses and armpits. Yeah. And too many people. Piss, like Too many people. Speaking of arses, when Marta, when they're in the whorehouse, he called Bonnie Prince a sympathetic arse. <laughs> I love how he pointed out the fact that you want us to start a revolution and you've actually never been to the country before. Yeah. Like, how does that work? That was really... I love how he called him out. That was pretty uh -huh. strongly condemning of the Bonnie Prince there. 
I love how he don't give a F. Yes. Like Murtaugh does not care. Amen. Wherever he goes, I go, my buddy. <laughs> my next thing says Murtaugh's facial expressions during the episode tells all. Did you also notice him stiff arm the whore during their meeting? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. What? He was like, no. <laughs> I literally just saw it. <laughs> he totally stiffs arms her and it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's when they were displaying the dildos, wasn't it? Oh, geez. Or was it right after that? It was around that moment. Yeah, he has an opinion on that, too. He thinks that the French can't satisfy their women without mm-hmm. toys mm-hmm. to assist them. I love him so much. I want him to be my friend. Look at his face after Jamie kisses the body prince's hand at the end of their meeting. Mm. Oh, his face was just his facial expressions. They just kill me. He wears it on his shoulder. It's like, I think you're a joke. I think this is all a joke. And I want to kill you and go home. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, say the word. He gave great face when Claire came down the stairs in that red dress. Girl, can we talk about the red dress? Because, honey, pull out your Urban Dictionary. Costume. Claire ate that dress. All right. Crumbs and all. I'm going to have to talk to Terry Dressbach. Oh, on Twitter. Yeah. Because I want to dress like that for the bourbon ball this year. (laughs) I will wear a similar dress, but in white. There's a woman who does Mm -hmm. cosplay for Comic Cons who had a dress like that. I believe she's been to New York Comic Con and Land Con in Paris. But I don't think that you're going to get a lot of Terry Dressbach in that realm. No, I don't think so. She's moved on. But I want to find one similar. Speaking of the dress. Yes. Have you ever heard that song by, I think her name is like Lana Del Rey. Ray. Mm -hmm. Summertime Sadness. Got that summertime, summertime sadness. Yeah. And her red dress. That's what I thought when I saw Claire <gasps> coming down the stairs. Oh, wow. Red dress. High heels. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know the lyrics. Somebody's going to have to look it up. But I remember there's something about a red dress in it. But when I say she wore the fuck out of that dress, I was like, Ugh. damn, Katrina. Mm-hmm. So sexy. OMG. I know like the wide hoop skirt was in back then. Oh, that dress was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. That's what I love so much about this season. When I say they pop their fingers or they pop their knuckles and flex, they were like, hold my beer. Yeah. And in this case, hold my whiskey. The costumes. That girl showed out. She should be hired for everything. Literally. The title card of this episode is all clips and shorts of Louise's dress that she wore in the same scenes that she wore to the Palace of Versailles. Oh, it's beautiful. That floral dress? Yeah. Yes. yes. With all the With the bows? bows? Yes, exactly. Oh yes. my goodness. It was amazing. And can we segue into Louise for this? Because absolutely, I love that woman. I started following that actress on- Our introduction. Oh, the, yes. The introduction to Louise was like, here I am. I'm French and here's everything about me. I got no secrets. I got no fucks to give. You're a vile monster, but keep ripping my hair out by the root. Just go for it. <laughs> the raw silk green robe that she wore. Oh man, that shit was sexy. Yeah. Oh. The waxing scene. I want the confidence Mm -hmm. that she has. That's what I want. I don't care what I have to wear. I mean, I think that just comes along with being French, to be quite honest. That's probably true. In later episodes, every person that you meet in France 
has the audacity. I don't know what the audacity <laughs> of or for, but they all have the audacity. Like Fergus does, San Germain does, Master Raymond does, the king, every single person you meet, they have the audacity. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know what? That's a good point. Now I'm going to watch the episodes with that in the back of my mind and pay attention to that because I love that. They're just ballsy. Yeah. Like, where do you get off? And they're like, I'm fucking French, bitch. That's literally what she said. She's like, um, I'm French. And this is how we roll. That's why. You English are such a prudish people. Yeah. Well, we inherited that in America. Thanks a lot. And I'm telling you, those are our cousins and we were raised by them. (laughs) That's why I'm so surprised, like, honestly, because Outlander is very sexual. I guess you could say, I wouldn't say sexy. It's just very sexual that there Mm -hmm. wasn't an outcry from the prude society, you know, because this (laughs) show and these books hit on so many things that are just like, we talk about those things behind closed doors. Not Outlander, baby. We're mm-hmm. going to shine a light on it. And also, one last thing, and I'll shut up. I was thinking about Master Ramon, and it's Black History Month, and the first Black character is working for him. His little uh, helper, the female that helped him get the supplies for yeah. Claire. I was like, oh, perfect timing. <laughs> Yes. I love to see it. <laughs> but anyways, go That's back perfect. to what you were saying, Meg. So I have a question. What's that? So she got a Brazilian, right? Yeah. I know that she doesn't call the waxing a Brazilian, but they were doing Brazilians back then. Surely they were. Oh, yeah. What were they called? I think they were calling it the French toast, though. The French toast? What were they called? <laughs> French toast. <laughs> and by the way, that is not the position you sit in for a Brazilian. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's why that shit hurt. <laughs> yeah. And you don't hit the person doing it either. Girl, you sit in the wrong position. <laughs> yeah. It's called the butterfly. I mean, he literally ripped her lips off. I'm like, shit, that's the reason why it hurt. You're not even in the right way to be getting that done. Even the monkey screamed. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh shit! <laughs> I'm next! <laughs> there goes a lip! <laughs> Monkey scream sounds like a chocolatey cocktail, like like an orgasm or something, you know, something you do, you have to a shot without your hands. <laughs> Monkey scream. I had to wait to see where you were going with that. <laughs> I didn't pause too long. I'm like, you've been eating monkeys? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Louise had to be behind. She she was 100% behind DuVernay. How do you, however you pronounce oh, his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, DuVernay. DuVernay. She just wanted to cause drama. Yeah. She probably was over there snickering like, <laughs> Claire. Oh, yeah, she over there. She trying to fuck. <laughs> uh, Claire just wanted to meet him. That's all she wanted to do. Meanwhile, Louise is like, nah, she's trying to get down. Louise didn't want her to bring her husband to court with her because she'd have more fun without him. Mm -hmm. Oh, hussy. But then there wouldn't have been the drama with Annalise either. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Jamie's poor face and Claire's expression. I just absolutely loved that whole thing. She's just sitting back like, let's see how you wriggle out of this one, Monsieur Fraser. (laughs) And he's just looking like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, I only fought one duel for her. And uh, she wound up with the other guy anyway. And so it was no big deal. Can I say that 
I found it odd that Jamie kept fucking up during this whole entire, like, these first couple episodes. He can't explain himself. Where does he lose the ability to just explain himself? Because Annalise walks up, kisses him, and he's, like, stuttering and shit. Now, maybe it's the shock of seeing her again. (laughs) Yeah. But even, like, later on when he's got the hickeys, why is it so hard for you to say, yeah, this chick tried to 68 me? And I was like, okay, but no. 68? (laughs) Did you just say 68? Yes. I don't think she can count to 69. It's okay. No, because he he even says he didn't do the 69 because, you know, he's a... He's a married man. Oh he can't God. do it. <laughs> Give me a break. Yes. <laughs> but also, you got hickeys on the inside of your thighs. Uh, like, yes. The thing is, is like, he had to have had his pants pulled down. But that's another episode for another time. We'll talk about that later. But your pants were down, buddy. You, you could have had a whole different explanation for what mm-hmm. happened, aside from the fact was, oh, I felt like a man again. Well, of course you did. Your dick was hanging out. And this bitch was like chewing on your thighs. That's a whole thing about the show. It's different in the books. He's wearing his kilt in the books. And it's a lot easier access for the whore to get under there and leave the bite marks. That's actually true. That is actually true. There's a whole discussion that's been going on ever since that episode came out online. But yes. But we won't go there I can see how that'd be frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) Annalise. 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 Sorry. I actually know a little girl named Annalise, so it's going to be hard for me to say the two different. The little bit that we saw of her in this episode, I wrote another Leary type, in my opinion. Another Leary type. He has a type, in my opinion. Those two girls before Claire. Oh. The young, immature, annoying. Oh, Jamie. Good observation. That kind of crap. She's not quite as young because she is widowed already. But but yeah, I get what you're saying. She's still a lassie. Right. She kind of got married at like 17. Because when Jamie knew her, she was 17. Right. Mm -hmm. Remember, he was in France and when he was like 17. Yeah. 18 years old. So I assume they're probably about the same age. Yeah. Jamie and And the last Annalise. time she saw him, he was still a teenager, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So she's, yeah, you're right. Very much Leary vibes there. Good mm-hmm. call. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't like you. I don't like you. <laughs> That's funny. I am done with my notes. <laughs> what do y'all have? I still have, well, you touched on King Louie. It's so funny that when we meet him as a character, he's obviously trying to take a shit and all sweaty (laughs) and just not very regal at all. And then the next moment that we see him, he is dressed in all his finery. He's got the wig on. He's got the bearing, the regal carriage and everything. And this whole season, he does such a good job of throwing shade without even flickering without any twitch of an eye or anything there's there is something in his expression but it's just so smooth and completely part of the cadence of the way that he talks and he's like you are beneath me and you goddamn well know it and i will take advantage of it whenever i fucking feel like it (laughs) yeah yeah it's so hard for me to take a man seriously after i watch you struggle to shit i know (laughs) you let me watch you do this man I saw you. We were all standing there watching you, watching you take a shit. How dare you call me a peasant? You literally sat on a toilet in front of us and tried to shit. 
That's like the one part that Jamie actually has a handle on. He's always very smooth and very proper and well-spoken in his dealings with the King of France, for fuck's sake, but can't deal with his wife and tell her what's going through his head and why this woman rushed up to him and is kissing him at a party at Versailles. What the fuck? I guess because it's like a bunch of dudes in there. Gross. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when your dog or, I mean, in my case, because I don't have kids, like they just sit there and watch you while you're sitting on the toilet. My dog <laughs> mm-hmm. has to be in the bathroom with me and he'll just sit there and we're making eye contact. And I'm like, this is awkward, man. Like I need uh-huh. you to get out. Or when he's pooping and he turns around and he looks at me like, you see this? You got to pick it up. You know that, right? That's how I felt mm-hmm. with this moment with King Louis. Like who's cleaning that shit out? Because it's just a stool. There's no plumbing there. Somebody's got to <laughs> dig that out. That's so gross. Gross. I don't know how I feel about the French in this particular instance, in this particular time. Well, do the swan nipple piercings make you feel any better, worse, different, completely mm. separate Actually, realm? It inspired me oh, to oh boy. get my nipples pierced. Oh my God. Perfect. Let's go together. Yes. Yeah, that's my next thing. I'm going to get my nipples pierced. And or just to get the clips, because I can't imagine this woman really did that. Did y'all see how big those piercings were? TMI, people. TMI. Mm-hmm. TMI time. Like, they were huge. That is like a 14 gauge. Like, that shit was huge. <laughs> and they were jeweled on the other end. Yes. So you know that, mm-hmm. I mean, they made her nipples like extend like orangutans, man. Those were heavy. Could you imagine getting them caught on something and getting oh, them ripped out? Ah. You can't. Jesus. She was walking around topless. She knew better. Yeah, but what if you've been drinking too much? And in this case, you're right, because they likely were. And it probably, oh my God, rip a whole nipple off. And that brought about another wonderfully expressive facial contortion from Duncan Lacroix, a.k.a. Murtaugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just also was- he about started floating across the room after her, like a <laughs> cartoon cat with a fragrance in the air. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's the moment when he decided that he was going to stay a while. <laughs> Catnip. Catnip. Yeah. yeah. This is, that was the moment when he realized, like, we might just hang out here for a bit. But I did notice this in that moment, too. That woman and Claire were the least covered women in the whole entire party. Everybody else's shit was covered. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I'm like, that's yeah. odd. That's suspicious. Like, why are they the only two with no clothes on? And I'm only saying that because I'm watching it now and I'm like, Hmm. they're the only ones with their titties hanging out. Yeah, that- Everybody else has their shit pushed up. That red dress had some serious structure to it to stay in place and they did not have double stick tape in the 18th century. (laughs) Yeah. How did they make that red dress stay up on her like that? That's a really good question. The world may never know. Yeah, that's- I'm going to need to know how they kept her boobs in that dress. Somebody knows. Somebody knows. Terry Dresbach knows. Yeah, she does. I bet I could search her Twitter and find out. Can I give you guys some analogies real quick? That Sure. Yes. This is my first one. When Claire walks down the steps in that dress, I got a real Beauty and the Beast vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did. I don't know why. I was like, this is the moment where she's like, fuck it. I'll marry this monster. <laughs> The other part was whenever Duvernay, I forgot how to say that dude's name. Duvernay. The finance minister, when they're in that little alcove, and she's like Little Red Riding Hood with this big bad wolf. (laughs) 
right before <laughs> Jamie yeets him off the fucking ledge. <laughs> but you see his wig? He looked like a wolf because that shit like expanded 16 times by the time. It it oh my dry. God. By the time it was all wet and he was drying it off. by the. Yeah. I had some very fairy tale moments during this episode. I was like, oh man. Adorable. Like so the impression that I got of DuVernay was when he was trying to go after her feet in the same alcove. And I just... <laughs> Could not stop thinking of Pepe Le Pew just trying to kiss on the girl cat that gets the white stripe yes. painted down her back and he just won't give up no matter what. He's like, oh, I'm not even going to try to sound like Pepe Le Pew, but it's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like I had this conversation with some people that I worked with, right? Because I had never really watched that cartoon until somebody showed me a clip. And one of the guys was like, I won't let my kids watch this because it gives a bad impression of the French. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, well, what? basically, he's like sexually harassing this cat. And I'm like, yes. well, actually, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but he's so enamored. He loves her so much. Why is that giving a bad impression of the French? What if he's, he's like- French-Canadian? Like it's... Uh- <laughs> Still, there's the French there. I don't mind. I wouldn't m- mind being French fried by any of the, the men that we've seen in this episode, to be quite honest with you. No. Hey, uh-uh. Stanley Weber. Even DuVernay's ass. He's kind of cute after that wig came off. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. His teeth kind of got me, but. <laughs> <laughs> the other, maybe the last thing, I'm not sure, because we still have to go back to Ivy's backup what if. The return of Sandringham. go away that was my last thing that son of a bitch gross when i say i hate that man he is such a catty little bitch Mm -hmm. do you understand how much he enjoyed fucking with claire in that moment even when he was like oh my god jamie it's so good to see you like his facial expressions i just wanted to break his eyes Mm -hmm. he's such a dirty little bitch i hate him but i love him because he's so catty do you think that he knows what Blackjack mm-hmm. did to absolutely. Jamie? Absolutely, absolutely. He, he knew knows. every single thing. Oh, and you know what? That motherfucker. He was probably jealous. He probably was jealous of it. Yep. That I I dirty have no doubts in my mind that he manufactured that whole entire Blackjack Randall came and stayed the execution. Mm-hmm. Sandringham gave him that letter and told him what went down. Oh shit. He manufactured that whole lockdown in the dungeon for Jamie. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And I don't think that he had any... He, I don't think he thought it was going to go as far as it did because he obviously doesn't know Black Jack's real character. But I think that he was thinking in his mind, well, he's locked up in that dungeon. I can have my way with him now, right? Uh-huh. I don't think he thought it was going to go as far as it did. I think he was genuinely surprised when he saw Jamie and Claire. Like, holy shit, you're supposed to be in a fucking dungeon somewhere. I'm not sure about that, that he didn't know Blackjack's true nature because... You think he knew that he was down there torturing people and raping them? I think he has similar nature. I don't know. I mean, think about what he set in motion for Claire and Mary Hawkins in a couple episodes Mm -hmm. from now. Yeah, but that's pettiness in him, I think. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he really had that intent for Jamie, though. That's a good question. He loved that man. I think he personally, I think he loved that man. Much like Black Jack Randall did, I just think that their vices went in two opposite directions. If he could convince Jamie to be his paramour, he would have went that route instead of like, I don't think he would have tied him up and raped him and nailed him to a table. I don't think 
he would have even thought that he thinks Jamie's beautiful. Well, Sandringham, no, but no, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that he knew that Black Jack would probably do that. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just spe- good question. I think you're looking at a sociopath, and I think you're looking at a narcissist or a psychopath. Yeah, psychopath, sociopath, that kind of right. thing, and then you're looking yeah. at a narcissist in Sandringham. Yes, and I think that the two can overlap. No, I was saying like BJR is a psychopath. And yeah. Sandringham is a sociopath. Psychopath, sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's more of a narcissist than he is anything because I think that he still has morals in a way and I don't think sociopaths do. But sociopaths have feeling. They care a little bit. Not a lot. They, whereas psychopaths okay. have no empathy or sympathy no feelings. for what they're doing. Okay, then I definitely agree with you. He might have both. I mean, obviously, like he has characteristics of both, but I think because of that, he probably wouldn't have thought that Black Jack Randall would do something like that to him. To that caliber. Yeah, and I only think that because in the books and in earlier episodes, I got the impression that the Duke really liked, in a very sadistic way, he really cared for Jamie, but he cared for him like in a very physical sense. Gotcha. Like blackjack. Yeah. Whereas like the way that they cared, they displayed that was a little bit different. I see what you're saying. Gotcha. But yeah, just sandering him, that little bitch, I can't stand him, but I love his character so much because he's so petty. He's so petty. When him and Claire are having that conversation, don't even look at Claire talking. Look at his ass. He is so petty do you see the way he walks out when the fireworks start he's like yeah bitch mm-hmm. i got you mm-hmm. oh i can't stand him i can't he's such a great actor he is he's a great a actor snitch all right we got the what ifs what about your what ifs what was your backup what if oh well one was like what if they had just killed him i know for the sake of the story wait killed who bonnie prince charles stewart okay bonnie prince i know for the sake of the story yeah. But what if they had just done it? She could have went to Master Ramon, got that poison, put it in his drink. No one would have known because everybody at the easy. brothel is drinking. It would have been mm-hmm. an easy kill and then just been done with it. But then I thought about it and Jamie's reasoning was, what if that provokes his dad into the revolution? But I, I think two things. The first thing is, is that Charles Stewart was trying to prove something to his dad. Like he's like, I'm going to, be the best son ever, and I'm going to put you back on the throne. And I also think that his dad used him. I think that he was in exile, and he was like, yeah, you get the funds. You get all this stuff. You garner me some support. And he was playing his his son. I don't know to what ends, because the story doesn't play out, and I don't know that much about that part of history, but I think that he was a pawn in his own and his father's game, and, and it kind of sucked. Interesting. The other thing was, at that moment when Sandringham had revealed or what's his name alex had revealed that black jack Jack was still alive alive. why the fuck did they continue on with the plan because you just found out that you can't change history despite everything that man just had happened to him he got mulled down by cows they fucked him up claire in that moment should have been like you know what abort mission this obviously is not going to work So when you found out that this was going down, and let's just skip ahead a couple of episodes, but Mm -hmm. even when they found out that Charles had secured the funds, why didn't you change the plan into, well, let's help him win? We know enough about that. We could help him win. 
There are so many moments where they could have made better decisions. I get it. It doesn't make for a good story. But yeah, that was my what if. Wow. I love the what ifs that we go through. And I think I'm just going to put something in the show notes from now on. Yes, we understand the story wouldn't be the same. Bad things have to happen to the characters to advance the story. This is imaginary. Get over it, people. Yeah, it's just kind of like choose your own adventure kind of thing, right? (laughs) I have one that I think we can have some fun with. Oh, okay. What if it had been Jamie and Dougal at the initial meeting with Bonnie Prince? Oh my God. What if Dougal had been with Jamie instead of Murta? Whoa. You have struck another thought that I had in my mind about this. Uh, And it happens obviously in a later episode, but I had thought about that too. I was like, well, Charles Stewart said that he had three people that were willing to like get some money together for him. And then you remember Dougal just shows up in Paris. So I think that there had been some correspondence between him and the Prince, maybe knowingly or unknowingly on one of their parts, because maybe he was writing in code and under assumed name, but I had thought about that. I'm like, what if he had been there with him when he initially met the prince? I think that Jamie would have just went with it. I don't think he would have been like, let's try to stop this rebellion. I think that he would have tried to convince Claire that this thing can be done and we should help them win. That's what I think would have happened. I don't think he would have went against the cause in front of Dougal. Because I think that despite Dougal being war chieftain in Scotland, he has a pretty wide sphere of influence. True. And I think that that's, I think Jamie would have went with it. I think he would have been like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's get some money together. You know, his cousin was gone. I would have started doing some shit with the wine. I'm like, you know what? Uh, We're about to hike up some prices. (laughs) Embezzling some alcohol funds (laughs) well i'm sure his cousin was doing that shit anyway he was a jacobite that's true that's a good point i think he would have got with dougal and he's like hey check this out we're about to create a criminal enterprise here and raise some funds yeah i I had thought about that so what about dougal's hot head and meeting charles stewart and his thoughts about how ridiculous this man was in real life i don't know did dougal have that opinion well, I'm- well, once he met him, once Bonnie Prince came to Scotland, I think Dougal was just starstruck and wanted to do whatever he could and just stay in the Bonnie well, Prince's good graces. But To finish the cause. Yeah, to further the cause. Yeah. I think there was a point where Dougal realized this dude was a fucking idiot, but he had gotten into it. Yeah. I think that there was a moment he was just like... What in the fuck? So obviously the part of Dougal, the McKinsey part of him is a manipulator, right? So he's like, well, I can control this Mm -hmm. puppet. Uh, I just got to get him his win. Right. And then he would be his right-hand man. Because think about it, throughout the whole second and third season, that's all he was trying to do. He wanted to get Mm -hmm. in where Jamie Mm -hmm. was. Because Jamie had cultivated his relationship with Charles when he was in France. So He had, yes. Jamie had a head start. I think Dougal would have stuck around regardless of what he had seen because one, he got in too deep. He'd already fought with his brother about it. He's basically bankrupted most of the villagers because they didn't have any money to give except for the last few pennies they had. So he was in too deep. His pride. And I think he honestly believed. Yeah, I think that's a good point. He he could not turn back. Mm -mm. I'm in too deep, man. I'm in too deep. (laughs) Isn't that a song too? I'm going to have to look that one up. Maybe we'll post that with one of our... The Lana Del Rey Summertime. 
Sadness. <laughs> Red dress. I'm looking it up. I can't. I, I know that. And I'm going to make a note to look up in too deep. I know too it's in deep, there. Too deep. Um, while we're sitting here. Uh, yeah. Googling. <laughs> I can't get over. I got my red dress on tonight. Yep. I knew there was, there was a line about a red dress in there. So how do you think that Claire kept up her leg waxing the whole time she was in France? Because doesn't the hair grow back itchy and gruffy? I get waxed. So it does not grow back itchy and scruffy. It doesn't. It grows back fine. It grows back soft. Yeah. Really? Yes. So I learned something. I think I just figured out why Claire never takes her shift off over her head. She would have hairy armpits. Yes. In exactly. the 1700s. That's why she always drops it. That's why she always unlaces, yeah. loosens the neckline and shimmies it down her body so that she doesn't have to raise her in hands. No, in no scene have you ever seen her raise her arms up. And when oh my she God. does, she has the undershift thingy on. Yeah. Remember when I think it was Miss Fitz that was changing her? As soon as the shift came off, she put her arms down and covered her boobs, remember? Right. So you couldn't see her armpit. Oh. We just had a very prolific moment. Things you learn when you start deep diving on the episodes of Outlander. <laughs> yeah. Who's the shaving things their armpits that they and who's think not? Of. I'm telling you, precise. Very, very close attention to detail. I love it. So would Miss Fitz be like, you shave your armpits, you witch. <laughs> Why is there no hair? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, is Miss Fitz like a hairy bulldog or something like that? <laughs> she hasn't shaved since she's been born. <laughs> Uh, I think perhaps we've reached the end of the useful analysis of not in Scotland yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just reaching a little bit. I think we've gone off the oh, deep end. Man. I mean, it's worth talking about. So we don't really even know what our next episode is because I haven't decided yet and Ivy is going last for this season. It's going to be a surprise for all of us to include me. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we should do that sometime where somebody just comes in with their idea for the episode and you have to recall it from memory without pre-watching it for the show. But not tonight, not next week. I will definitely figure it out early. So on mine is what you're saying? No, sometime. We don't have to do it either. It's just an idea that I was throwing out there. Sounds great. Anyway. Well, I will tell you, I love this episode. So again, thanks for picking it. There was so much. We obviously ran long, but it was worth it. There was so much to unpack. It was crazy. Love it, love it, love it. I love all the characters that we learn about in here, except the Comte Saint-Germain. You know what? He's so nice to look at. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm like, I I could get over him trying to poison me. I could forgive him Mm -hmm. a little bit. (laughs) But I need you to hold my hair next time you try to make me throw up, sir. <laughs> if you're gonna kill me, at least hold me. <laughs> Only gentlemen's do that. <laughs> I've got Bless that it. Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Save me, <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> I'm never leaving you. <laughs> it's been great. It has been great. I enjoyed every moment of it. I'm gonna finish this last bit of whiskey and I'll see you guys next week. That sounds like a plan. We'll see you here. Sounds great, y'all. Bye. That's it for episode 202, Not in Scotland Anymore. Thank you all for listening. 
Next week, we'll be talking about 207 Faith. You can find us, follow and message us on Instagram at Outlander with Friends, and we love to hear from you. We're now available on all major podcast apps, and if you leave us a great rating, it helps more people find us. Listen next week for more TMI. Don't say we didn't warn you.